Hey, the Ringer NBA group chat guys, Waz, Mahoney, Barrier, and special guest J. Kyle Mann, they're all headed to Indianapolis for NBA All-Star Weekend. Join them downtown February 17th for a Saturday afternoon live show at 2 p.m. before NBA All-Star Saturday night. Tickets available right now at hifiindy.com. That is H-I-F-I-Indy.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. If you missed part one of this podcast, which we were not expecting to break into two parts, but then Bill Belichick, the greatest NFL coach of all time, steps down on a Thursday morning. And guess what? We had to do a two-part podcast. Michael Lombardi and Peter Schrager were on part one. We talked about Belichick. We talked about all kinds of coaching stuff and did a deep, 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 deep dive of the round one playoff game. So in part two of this podcast that you're about to hear, my buddy Joe House is in town because we're filming Ringer Wise Guys for FanDuel TV on Saturday and Sunday, which is the pregame playoff gambling show that I've always wanted to watch for the last, I don't know how many years, and now we're going to be able to do it at 11 a.m. on FanDuel TV on Saturday and on Sunday. Cannot wait for that one. And House is going to come on. We're going to talk basketball. And he'll give us like his favorite pick for round one. I don't want to spoil Wise Guys too much. Then after that, million-dollar picks for round one, my eternal quest to go undefeated for the playoffs. And then last but not least, I wanted to uh, read something I wrote about Belichick once upon a time with a little added context. So that is part two. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this part of the podcast. It's a little after nine o'clock, Thursday night. Joe House is here because we're taping Ringer Wise Guys all weekend for FanDuel TV. We had a Suns-Lakers game tonight. And we thought, oh, this would be fun. We'll talk a little NBA. What did we see in Suns-Lakers? What did we see in Celtics-Bucks? Blowouts galore. Blowouts everywhere. Really depressing. Do your thing about what you want the NBA to do. Well, I, I will, but I want to uh, start off with a caution. Because the last time 
that you and I together just chopping it up, talking NBA. It was about six months ago, and I asked you a question about uh, Bradley Beal and business dealings, and then you caused an international incident uh, that included paparazzi stalking you in your parking garage. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> I forgot about that. My, the grifters. I, let's try not to do that again. <laughs> or, or if you enjoyed it, we could try and do that Wait, again. Thank God we cut out the thing that you said. <laughs> it might have caused a, a third world, like a third universe there incident. Were, we, there would have been, it was international and domestic. There, there were victims all over the well, place. But, good editing by Kyle and Saruti and that. We're going we're gonna to do, try and do better, I, I guess. But yes, uh, here is my my view of the world as it relates to the NBA now. And it fits the overall theme of the season, which is this is a, a transition moment in, in the league. Kevin Durant is old and LeBron James is old and Steph Curry is old. And they're old stars, but old. Yes, still the, the, the most important stars. But we're transitioning. And so I want to see other teams. I don't want to see the Warriors anymore. Like tired you're of the Warriors, you're, 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 done. you're done. Yeah, I don't. So need to the, see. the Warriors Pelicans on ABC last night wasn't too exciting for you. Well, it, it delivered exactly what I expected. The, the the Warriors can't compete with the Pelicans, and they didn't compete with them. Well, the Warriors, Suns, and Lakers are still, I think, under 500 combined as we're heading toward the 40 game mark. I'm with you. They targeted all these teams, and they're like, people are going to love to see the stars, and they're all going to be contenders or fringe contenders. They should audible and flex. Yes. So the teams, we want more Oklahoma City, right? They've been the league pass MVPs. More Absolutely. Them. More Minnesota. Love Minnesota. Love to see them. Like last night, they had Golden State New Orleans on ABC. Minnesota Boston, which was one of the best games of the year, yeah. is just on league pass. Right. On whatever, wherever, Roku, Apple, wherever you get it. Why didn't they flip those? Why didn't they use common sense and say, what's a better game? I, I look... You, you you know the NBA better than I do. So but, OKC, who else? We you like you know, New York at home? I love I love I love um, this version of the Knicks post trade with OG because you can tell these games at Madison Square Garden that the the fan base there they love this Knicks team yeah. and OG's perfect seamless fit and precious and you've done a nice job of emphasizing how I important that the precious part is. Yeah. Yes. They love this team and it's palpable and it's great. And that's a brand is, uh, let me ask you this. Well, there's one more team, but just don't, let's not forget the fourth team that needs to be on TV more, who, who, but go ahead, ask me and then we'll come back to it. Well, I mean, I, 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 I like to see the Pacers more, but who, who else? Yeah. The Clippers. Oh yeah. The Clippers. Amazing. Look, the Clippers are now starting to get, is that the best team in the West buzz? They, they, they have the three best players. This could end up being one of my biggest losses in a while. <laughs> I've had a lot of wins. I've had some losses. Mm. And if the Clippers, Celtics, not only would that finals break my brain and I would have my dad's season tickets and my own season tickets, <laughs> I'd just be able to go to every game. But just the concept of those two teams playing in the finals is fucking nuts. Kawhi against the Celtics. They could have traded Jalen Brown and an extra pick for him. What, six years, five years ago? Uh, Harden. Boston kind of has had his number. The Clippers just in the finals. They've never made a finals house. I'm shaking my head because. Yeah, because somebody will get hurt and Harden will choke. Yeah, in the I playoffs. can't tell if this is a bit by you where you're you're like. They're 21 and six in I, their last 27. I, and they're just, just beating everybody. I get it. I, look, 
we were at this point right about this time last year with the Pelicans. The Pelicans were the best team in the NBA. They had the best. Yeah, record. but they were they the records were low and it was weird. It was okay. kind of a free for all. Okay. This is okay. my thing is if if you can play thirty games and go like twenty four and six, twenty three and seven, you're probably legit. Like that's a pretty long stretch. If this is the version of the Clippers that the Clippers imagined they might be. Now they didn't a year ago have in mind James Harden being part of this. Yeah. But they did imagine this chemistry. Last year ended up being a full season of a chemistry experiment because they couldn't get healthy at the same time. They shuffled in rotation players, shuffled out rotation players. Right. Finally landed they did the, on this. the load management thing just to the bitter end, to the chagrin of everybody. I mean, Steve Ballmer, pretty good business guy, bought low. Bought low on Harden. Well, listen, it better work he didn't this buy year. High. They have no picks for, until 2052, and they're going to pay like 100 million bucks on luxury tax, maybe more. So I this, think he can afford it. And then they, you know, listen, I've lived here a while. I've been involved in the Clippers thing pretty closely dating back to San Diego and just 40 years of whatever the hell, 45 years of whatever the hell it's been. Kawhi plays just fantastic for a month. And and even during that month, disappeared for four games for some injury management, came back. He's looked awesome. He's been one of the eight best players in the league. And they give him the extension. And it's like, would you have done this two months ago? No. But now he looks good. And you're like, all right, here's the extension. If this was any other team, I'd be like, that makes sense. New stadium, big city, you have the money, why not? But because it's the Clippers, it just, <laughs> it feels like the dot, dot, dot. Oh, of, oh remember nice. they were doing so well and then they gave Kawhi the extension. That's not And nice. then two days later, James Harden was crossing the street and a black cat oh, no. walked in front of him. See, I knew and it. And then there was a pile of, like, it's the Clippers. It Terrible things Clippers. happen to them. It's true. It's true. They had Sean Livingston, who is basically going to be discount Magic Johnson, or at least the Halliburton of the 2000s. Yes. And plants his knee and explodes in 90 places. Right. They had Blake Griffin, as, and he hadn't even been a rookie yet. And he, and he was out for the year. Of the, it's yes. just... It's 45 years of this. So when they gave Kawhi the extension, I was like, oh, no. And you waited like a month. It could still work. You like this Clippers team, I can tell. Well, because of the the flexibility and, you know, my mind's eye, when you see vintage Kawhi like that, like, yeah. you know, it feels like such a, a precious thing, such a rare thing, such a, we're, we, we're, we've been given this, this special treat. We've been given this hundred grand bar that I didn't know was oh, still fresh. That we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> top <laughs> top seven guys in the league this year. I did my ringer. We did the top hundred. I gave my list. Yes. My top seven was Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, who just just misses games here and there it's in fine. a way. I know it's fine. Luca four. Yeah. Shea five. Great. Curry six. Okay. Tatum seven. And then it's a drop off. And I had Durant, Halliburton, Booker, Butler, LeBron, Bam, Davis, Kawhi 15. This was two weeks ago. Okay. Even if I had to do, and that, I mailed that list in probably 10 days ago. I might have Kawhi at eight now. Now, I don't know if you, if you have to factor in like reliability, the fact that I don't know if he's going to play 60 games this year, all this stuff, but his ceiling of what he can do. It might be higher than Durant at this point. 
is there any way for them to take uh, Paul George and Kawhi, put them in bubble wrap, and then save right save till April? Just let those guys go. I, you know, send them away. Send them to Zwat Neho. <laughs> let them go enjoy some time together on the beach, and then bring them back when the games really matter. I think James Harden with this cast, they could be you know a little sub five hundred. They're enough above five hundred that they're. Uh, yeah, but you want one of those top three seeds so yeah, you can be I, in L.A. and yes. have Kawhi near his rehabilitation center, whatever <laughs> he's doing, to have the spring that he has. Doc made a good point about um, this trade. And I heard this theory when they made it, but I was just like, it's James Harden. I feel like he's on the other side of the mountain. But just that he is durable. And then if you can just get the other two to play... 50% together and then you're getting 25% and you always have two. It's a great point. But James had to, you know, be as good as he's been playing. But he's, I got to say, he moves the ball around. This is the most fun I've ever had watching James Harden. Well, I, he doesn't not... hog the ball. Like there's no heliocentric stuff. The ball just moves. The only thing that I'm sort of like, you know, he, he was pretty great last year. Yeah, until through until until March. the All Star game. Yeah, until March. He was left off the All Star team. Yeah, he didn't I like that, and then he and he and he, you know, he let everybody know how he didn't like it. Well, we we're going to talk All Stars because I have to come up with a list, and this is not here are my All Star picks. We we're just trying to lay out what the All Star team looks like on in both conferences, and the West is harder than the East. And this is listen. Very preliminary research. I haven't researched games played. There's all kinds of advanced stats I haven't looked at. This is just blink test. Let's make a list. What do we got? So don't don't get mad at us. This is just it's, House and I watching the we still Super Bowl. We're watching the Super Boring Laker game saying we have to come up with another topic since obviously Lakers Suns isn't going to work. And starters, we came up with Jokic, AD, Kawhi, Luka, and SGA. You feel good about that? Feels pretty unimpeachable. I don't know if Kawhi's played enough games, but okay. I feel like somebody has to be recognized on that Clipper team because they've been so impactful. And for, uh, I think the Clippers themselves would say Kawhi is the accelerant. He's the reason that. Yeah, that they... and his the ceiling of what he's doing now. Durant would have a case for that Kawhi spot, and then the other controversial thing there would be AD getting the starter spot over LeBron. But AD has been the best Laker this year. He's been the best two-way. This is the best AD's ever played. He has really filled in a lot of blanks. I know they're a below 500 team, but if he had even missed five, six games, they would be dead in the water. Yeah. And I just think he's been better than LeBron this season. Okay. You well, agree or disagree? I'm fine with that. LeBron's okay. 39. It's not a right. knock on LeBron. Um, forwards, I have LeBron and Durant bolded. And then Markinen, Towns, Paul George, who's having a really good year. Another and guy. It's like 24, 6 and 6. He's hosting a podcast. He's playing defense, doing it all. And Brandon Ingram, not in bold. Centers, I have Gobert in bold. And then there's one more spot for Shengun, Chet, Sabonis, or Triple J. We'll go back to that. And then guards. I have Curry, Fox, and Edwards in bold, which leaves out Bain, Booker, Harden, and Murray. Wow. Now, we have another week or so before I have to hand these in. But yes. So, the, of the bolded ones, uh, Curry, Fox, Edwards, LeBron, Durant, Gobert, one spot left for center between Shengun, Chet, and Sabonis, basically. 
Sabonis is eighth in the league in assists and first in rebounds, and he's shooting 20, 20 points a game. I just can't totally get there with two kings house. I understand. So uh, I, it's to me, it's Shengun or Chet, and Shengun basically lifting a five hundred Rockets team, or Chet. Okay, so he's the best team in the West, and Chet is like seventeen and eight. He's a 50, 40, 80 guy, and he's like third in the league in blocks, and he's been really durable, and he's been clutch at the end of these games. And it's a tough call. Who do you have? I like Shengun over Chet. Uh, Link test right now. I think I'm with you. Only because um, Chet is properly going to win Rookie of the Year. He absolutely right. deserves it. Is he's been what what a revelation. Yeah, he is exactly what Oklahoma City needed. They still need one more piece, but he like did they know that they had this waiting? This was the highest upside of what they ever could have dreamed of it's for so year true. one. It's like they needed rim protection. They needed a stretch five. Basically, they needed. A competitive dude who wasn't scared at the end of games, he, who couldn't get overpowered by other centers. He, he checked every box. He mother f's everybody. Yeah. I love it. I mean, not he does not physically doing that, but I, I, I mean, you know, in terms of his attitude, it's yeah, a, unbelievable. Okay, uh, East, East is a little harder with the starters. Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum is easy, and Halliburton's easy. Mm -hmm. And that fifth spot could go to Brunson. It could go to Mitchell. It could go to Maxi. And I think we both agree it's Brunson. I think it's Brunson, yeah. And I, I, There's a Mitchell case building that could get even better a week from now because they've won four straight. They haven't had Garland. They've had a Mobley. Hit 45 in the France game. He might be able to grab that spot. It's close. But I love what Brunson's doing in the Knicks. Well, he is the Knicks. And, yeah. and you know, um, getting them up to that moment where they made that, that trade, he was the the one he was the force and and yeah he helped cover over the slow start that randall had right so for the knicks to be where they are right now he's the reason and i think he deserves the starting spot well and the best center of all time as a hartenstein didn't have him as a starter i gave him be the uh, the edge over as a hartenstein uh guards i have mitchell maxi and trey young and bold and then Dame and Derek White on the outside. We'll go back to that. Uh, Trey doesn't have to be in bold, but I had them in bold. I had for forwards, Randall and Jalen Brown in bold. Scotty and Butler on the perimeter. Butler doesn't play enough games. Scotty's team stinks. Yeah. Centers, I have Bam and Paolo in, in bold. And then Porzingis lingering behind them. And Kobe White, maybe one more week of him can at least get a non-bold. Whoa, okay. So, Honorable mention. The big one is, the big arguments are, does Trey deserve to be in the all-star team when he doesn't play defense and his team is dramatically underachieved, but he puts up big stats? And then who is the second Boston all-star? I would have said Derek White up until about 10 days ago. I I just love how Jalen's playing, and I think he's the third best forward in the East. I, I actually have him ahead of Randall. To me, it's Giannis and Tatum. And then if you said, who's the third best forward in the East for regular season? Because Jimmy Butler would be above him in a normal list. But I think Jalen's been third. And I don't think there should be three Celtics. So <laughs> okay. that's, yeah, I just think Wait, that even, even I find that absurd. <laughs> um, so I have Jalen and I have White on the outside and it kills me, but you know, there's too many good guards. Any yeah. thoughts? No, I, I mean, I think that, that that's right. White, who would you have Derek White jump over if he was going to make it? Well, you would go 
Dame, who's been pretty spotty, mm -hmm. you know, and has been a defensive let. The defensive metrics on him are horrible. And he had a little nine-game swoon there. But Dame versus White, who's been more valuable? It's at least an argument. Um, and then White versus Trey. Or Dame versus Trey. Just like, hey, these guys are on winning teams. Trey, you're not on a winning team. And yes. You don't deserve to be in the All-Star game. But Trey's stats are massive. I mean, he's like 29 and 11. Right. So it's wide open. Maxi okay. to me is in bold and and not not arguable. Well, I, I didn't even yeah I didn't consider him as as somebody that we needed to, to debate. So it's Trey Dame and in White probably for one more spot. I don't think Barnes has enough, and Butler's not playing enough games. And then there's a Porzingis case if you want to make Porzingis over Jalen as the second Celtic, but. Nah. To me, Paolo's in bold, especially the the way he's gotten better as Paolo. Paolo, love that Paolo. He looks it's bigger. And, and look, he's kind of big boying some of these games. He, this is again another very very young guy who looks like the best possible version is is kind of in our sight. We could see, yeah. and and he, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tip our cap to Franz and tip our cap um, to Suggs, and they all did the whole energy of that Magic team. Is is tremendous, but Paolo is the big boy. So I had Suggs not in bold and behind <laughs> Derek White, but just needs to be mentioned. Energy. He's my personal favorite yes. uh, non-All-Star MVP. Sure. There's been some great just glue guy, awesome, fun bench guys, and he's been one of them. Hartenstein's been one of them. Yeah. There's There's been a few. There's a lot of fun guy. Nas Reed, another monster off the bench year from him. Um, anyway, so I, I think that's a snapshot, but all this stuff is in flux. It feels like four of the starters are locked in in the East and probably three of the starters are locked in in the West. The AD Kawhi spots, who knows? That could yeah. just be LeBron and Durant. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, with, with the way the voting's going to go. I just don't, the LeBron thing, I know he's played a lot of games and I know his stats look like an old LeBron season, but the fact that they're 24th in offensive rating and he doesn't really play defense remotely like he did 10 years ago. I just think that has to matter. It the 24, 24th in offensive rating, that's on him. He's They're running the offense through him and it's not a good offense. It's not a good offense. And, it's and, like, well, they don't have shooters. Well, then come up with another plan. Yeah, you don't have shooters. Maybe don't run an offense that's built on people making open shots. Um, all right, that's our check-in. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about the Wizards and candy bars and your favorite football pick for this weekend. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, so your beloved Wizards are part of a Mount Suckmore with the Pistons and the Spurs and the Blazers. 
we have never had four awful teams at the same time like this. Scoot Henderson, who I still like, and I'll buy your Scoot stock if you don't want it. Scoot Henderson was a minus 56 tonight in the (laughs) 62-point loss. We have right now Portland's 10 and 27. San Antonio's 6 and 30. Washington is 6 and 31. And Detroit's 3 and 35. Charlotte is 8 and 27, but LaMelo's coming back and they'll at least start playing better. And you, for some reason... I need them to play way better. You, for some reason, enjoy watching this Wizards team. Are you... Do you, like, hate yourself? Like, what are your reasons? Well, I, I feel like if I keep watching, something might change. And, you know, I, I have to tell you, I'm dismayed by this Wizards team. And it's not just because, you know, I, at the beginning of the season, imagined a team that was going to lose more most of their games, but at least compete. This, this iteration, it, they're, they're not capable of competing. They can't play any defense whatsoever. They have one player on the entire roster they have two because Delon Wright can play, and he and 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 he's definitely you know you, if you look at the advanced metrics for him, a lot of team, a lot of contenders hoping that he's, he's going to be available. Yeah. yeah, he'll be a great role player. Cool Bali also has a tremendous defensive ceiling. He's not there yet. Gafford is the only guy who can really. He's the only rim protection. I like whatsoever. Kispert. Kispert is is going to get a modest extension. He deserves it. Another guy who, uh, you know, as a, as a role guy, if he's your eighth guy, yeah, great. But I could see him on a contender as an eighth or ninth guy. Sure, yeah, yeah. right. Um, I looked up, I was looking up four man rotations, trying to figure out the best ones, and I looked at the bottom, and Kuzma was in the four worst four man rotations in the entire league. One of them was minus fifteen per hundred possessions. <laughs> The next one was like minus 12.5. No matter who you put Kuzma or pull with, the lineup's going to be bad, basically. That, well, I've been watching it. I'm here to tell you, yes, that's exactly right. So they would have been better off if they just took Chris Paul in that Phoenix trade. Much better off. didn't take Jordan Poole. Much better off. Yes. This is, I I want to. Did we like the Poole trade when they made it? Because I can't remember if we did. I want to ask you this. Is it possible that Golden State perpetrated an all-time rope-a-dope did they overpay pool deliberately because they understood that that there were stupid teams out there that would trade for him? Y- yes, because there, there, they were. There was never a scenario under which they were going to get anything of any value for him if they didn't, on their own, and do their own part in, ter- in terms of propping him up and Counter. making him seem valuable. Counter. He was one of the biggest differences in Game Four, Five, Six of the finals and killed my team and got punched in the face by Draymond and has never been the same since. Like, that's just factual. He's never been the same as a basketball player since that punch. Well, the the thing I'm more interested in is the contribution he made to that Warriors team in in those finals and dissecting that and trying to understand the role that he, he played. He was irrational confidence. How like they define the role for Jordan him. Clarkson on Utah right now, just coming in and hitting shots and getting out of there. He would I, heat I, up in 10 minutes. I'm here to tell you, I've never seen a player as talented as Jordan Poole with as low of a hoops IQ. And you know how long I've been watching basketball. Yeah. I don't, he is clueless. He can't be on the floor 
They should take him out of games with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so maybe that was the secret sauce. Just never play him in a close game. And maybe, you know, I'm not going back and looking at their their uh, their lineups inside the, the Warriors lineups in that title year. I'm not going to go back and do that. But, you know, it's pretty tough that you had all of these top 10 picks. And all these years later, you're still really bad, but you might not even be the worst team in the league. And Koulibaly is really the only one that would ever have a chance, I think, of anyone on your roster to make an all-star team. And I, I'm not even saying that will happen. I'm just like, at least talent-wise, it's at least like you can't cross it off. I totally agree. You're right. Lots of swings Do you swings think you would have done a better job than the, than any Wizards did Tommy Shepard? Ernie Grunfeld, Tommy Shepard? Yeah. I, 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 I you don't wouldn't know. have done worse. There, there were definitely guys that I preferred to, like, you know, the year they took Denny Avdia. Uh, yeah. The year they took that Halliburton? Rui Halliburton was, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, there, are, there are guys that came after, you know, each of those years. Well, the, the funny thing is you might not even get like a top four pick. It's just it's, it's, like it's, if unless LaMelo gets it's a going, lottery. Yeah. Because you have the, the Blazers who lose by 28 to the Knicks and then follow that up by losing by 62 to the Thunder. They lost by 90 points in two games. That's got to be a record. <laughs> I don't even know. Does it matter? Like, is this no. upcoming draft? Who, who, who is the transcendent no, talent? No, I was talking draft? about, I told uh, Kyle Mann and Tate, and I was, on a, I was texting with them in KOC tonight, and I was saying, because the way they're talking about this draft, you know, because Isaiah Collier got hurt, and he's out for four to six weeks, and we're like, did he get hurt? Because it's actually a better business move to be like, I'm hurt. Like through the Rodney Ditchfield. Ooh, my arm. I think it's broken. Um, but I was saying, this feels like the 2013 draft to me. That was the first one I did for ESPN with Jalen when it was like Anthony Bennett went first. Old Depot was second. Norland's Noel. Alex wow. Lynn. Wow. Um, it, it just, and you're trying to talk yourself into these guys that don't have it. And then what happens in that draft? The best guys end up being Old Depot for a couple of years. CJ McCollum was Patriot League. Yeah. And Giannis, who was a six foot nine Greek guy playing against, you know, scrubs in Greece. This would and be those were the three best. Yeah, this would be the year where I would be taking a flyer on on an international player. Right. Hands down. Yeah. Or or an alien. Maybe one of the aliens that landed in Miami and <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Did you follow that story? I just saw the story of the year. There were like six hundred cops cars. And and like weird things flashing in the sky. The aliens are coming, it feels like. Maybe they're here. Let's like, bring in Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, <laughs> what do you see with uh, the aliens? Aaron, no. Um, who do you think's the worst team? It's you? No. Detroit is worse. What do you mean? Who's the worst team? Detroit, like now that they have Bogdanovich, I know Cade, then Cade went out, but like, Cade and Bogdanovich is at least more professional in the last five minutes than anything you have. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I mean, where's the proof? I think it is. All right. Greatest candy bars. You came over tonight. We yeah. were going to order dessert. We we're going to order pies on Postmates, but we didn't have enough time because we were recording. It's too late. Um, and I was like, I have some candy bars. And my wife had all this candy from... At Halloween and just she overbought. I don't know. She was at Costco. I think she lost her mind. She made a bad God bless her. And uh, we just have a lot of candy in our house, including 100 grand bars. And I was saying to you, these are my single favorite candy bars. 
And you agreed. I do agree. But I don't feel like that's a consensus opinion. It's kind of the Shea Gilgis Alexander of candy bars. Oh. Nobody would mention SGA on the par with Jokic. Like the average person in yes. Kansas City just be like, hey, who do you like in the NBA? They wouldn't be like SGA. But the 100 gram bar, which I think most people like really love. If you pull one out, people are like, whoa, they're going to eat it, but doesn't get the reputation as the goat of candy bars, which for me it is. I wonder what what is the goat of candy bars right now? What well, do you they, think it kind of depends on the human, right? Yeah. So what's your favorite candy bar? 100 gram bar. All right, that's mine too. My, Let's go back and forth. My second favorite is Caramello, which uh, are kind of like giant Rolos. Yes. W- wonderful. Uh, I like Twix. I really like Twix. All right, Twix was my number four. My number... Th- Three was the Big Cat, which is the giant Kit Kat bars they made. You had never had one. I, I introduced it to you today. Yeah, my my, I'm I'm behind on my candy innovation. I didn't know about the Big Cat. So, Kit Kat, they had these thin, small thin candy, the Kit ones Kat. we love. Everyone loves yeah. Kit Kats. And at some point, probably in a meeting, somebody had to come up with that idea, and they were like, "What if we just made bigger Kit Kats, thicker ones?" Like almost like brick, like a brick cat. And they're like, what? And then they workshopped it and it's delicious. It turned out great because good job by them. It's a it's a it's a full mouthful. It's, yeah, it's not good. you're not cheat. You're not getting cheated. And it's like three bricks. So yeah. it's like you get you three people, you each get one. I had Twix four. What was your number three? The big cat? Well, I mean, I just had the big cat, but I I, I love the big cat. It's pretty. Uh, oh, you like amazing. crackle? Was your number three? I do like crackle. Explain yeah. crackle. Well, it, it's it's a flatter, thinner. It's um like a rice crispy chocolate, yes. you know, kind of thing. That's that's pretty good. Anytime the words rice crispy are involved in a yeah. candy, I'm in. Yes, like rice crispy. Yes. Have you ever had a rice crispy treat and said to yourself, "Oh no, I don't know if I want to eat this rice crispy treat." <laughs> Come on. Who are you talking it's the to? Fucking best. Of course. Do you believe in putting chocolate in Rice Krispie treats or no? Uh I'm I'm fine Some with it. Some people put the they'll sneak the M&Ms in. I'm fine I'm fine with it. Like you, you you can't ruin the essence of the Rice Krispie treat. It's still going to come through. It's not really an answer. Um we both really like Hershey bars, just the old school. Yeah, old school. It's what's wrong with that? What kind of a s'more guy are you? Eh. One of the things I do that really annoys my wife is homemade s'mores, like lazy s'mores. Which is what? Which basically like take a graham cracker, take graham cracker, just put a marshmallow, take a Hershey thing and just squeeze it together and eat it raw. You raw dog it. (laughs) (laughs) What's I bet that she's like, that's not a s'more. That's some crazy sandwich. I'm like, that's fine. To me, it's a s'more. (laughs) I don't need to heat this up to feel like I'm eating a s'more. Oh, God. I I don't want to go anywhere with the raw dog part of it. But, man, that is there's a name for that. There's definitely yeah. a name raw for that. Raw dog s'mores. <laughs> right. And then I don't think any either of us are that excited about Baby Ruth bars. They're fine. I had Snicker, one tonight. I do like Snickers, but Snickers, to me, peanuts and, and candy, if I'm doing peanuts, I'm probably leaning toward M&M's, like the M&M peanuts. Those are like my movie absolute theaters. favorites. I also love Reese's. I mean, I love the yeah, peanut see, butter Yeah, see, I don't cups. like Reese's. Yeah. The peanut butter, I don't like it sticks to my tongue. And it's so, very rich. Do you consider M&M's a candy bar? No, it's not a candy bar. It's, it's a candy. candy. Yeah. It's not a candy bar. I mean, you could make the case. It's just a little mini 
circle candy bars. You can't. Can't make that case. So it's in candy. Like who else is in the M&M's phylum? Hershey Kisses? No. Those are different. Those are like little chocolate uh, bites. They're they're like uh, Skittles. They're chocolate Skittles. So who lives with M and M's? Who lives in their Who lives in their phylum? <laughs> it's it's who all are they competing your, against? Starburst. You, you need to have a handful. No Starburst. You can't have a handful. It's handful candies though. It's That's handful like candies. its own thing. Skittles, M and M's, Starbursts. Starbursts are not handful candies. They're all individually wrapped. Starbursts are. So are Hershey Kisses. Right. They're not. They're in their own class. What about those little mini Reese's and, and Ro- Pieces? Ro- Rollos. Rollos belong with Hershey's Kisses. So individually and wrapped. Starburst. Little, that's yes. like its own phylum. Yeah, too. that's its own. Yes, its own genus. So when you're in a movie theater, what do you get? Popcorn. <laughs> do you get candy with it or no? Uh, I will get um, the malt balls. The popcorn, wow. you know, the popcorn is sweet, 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 sweet. I like Sprite at the movie theater for some reason. That's Sprite. my drink of choice. It feels like it goes, it's like lighter. It goes easier with the popcorn. And then I eat, eat some of the chocolate malt balls. I love you. fountain Coke and fountain Sprite and all fountain soda at, at a movie theater. For some reason, it just tastes better than they if do you a just bought job. it in a bottle. It's true. I always feel like at basketball games, they always make you like take the bottles and it's never the same. No, 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 it's like no. A nice so, so, so it's much like better. Ben and I were at Jimmy John's last Sunday and we, got, we did on the ride home. Yeah. And he ordered a large fountain soda and I didn't order one. I was so jealous of it. It had like a lot of ice in uh, it. He got like a Diet Dr. Pepper fountain soda. Um, I never get enough credit. A lot of people don't know this. I invented M&Ms in the popcorn. What? Nobody had ever done that before. What? As far as I know, I invented it. <laughs> I is, was in Massachusetts. And I was, yeah, like, I was just going to say, was this something? Were you doing that uh, at Worcester? What was the movie theater in Worcester? Oh, the Adonis we, Theater? The Adonis. Was there popcorn with, with M&M's in that? I told that experience? story on the Rewatchables recently about us at the Adonis Theater. <laughs> and that guy came in and said, I was in a not row, there. His pants down. I was not there. I heard about the you story when you came you back. You there. It's like Roger Clemens when he got 20 strikeouts. I heard strikeouts. the aftertale. I did not want to be there. I did not want to witness that. But you should say years later that you were there. Nobody I was would know. there. I saw it. It's like, I was there at Michael Jordan's 63 point game. Um, yeah, no, I invented M&M's and popcorn. A lot of people don't know. Okay. Prove me wrong. Who invented it? <laughs> so dumb. Early 90s. It was like, man, this would taste delicious. Uh, what's your favorite football pick this weekend? I don't want to do the cliche thing, and I'm going to go on the Ringer Wise guys and try and make an impassioned case. I honestly think the Miami Dolphins are going to give the Chiefs a, a good game. All right, let's hear it. Well, in the first place, if you subscribe to the idea that this weather is going to have a dramatic impact on game script, then you want to look at which of these two teams has um, the ability to run the ball because you don't, you're not going to be able to, to throw the ball. The receivers are going to be compromised. Kansas City already has the most compromised receiver core in the NFL. They have guys that can't catch the ball when it's perfect weather. Oh no! They said freezing cold weather is much better for bad hands. But the 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 particular aspect of the matchup that you know, if you're if you're looking at it this way, um, you want the points with this Miami thing. I'm not saying take Miami on the money line. I'm t- saying give me the four. It's all the way up to four and a half on Fanduel. So right why now. not tease it to ten and a half? 
Uh, you I don't mean, love that? I don't, I don't need to get exotic. I'm doing Chiefs money line, the, and I I did Chiefs money line for million dollar picks. Uh, spoiler alert: with the uh, adjusted under a fifty one and a half. So I I think it's and going that's to, basically even up. Yeah, because I think it's going to be a low scoring game, which is why you it was, has to be. They so two long drives right, both ways, right. and and if twelve plays, fourteen plays. So the two best running backs in the NFL by DVOA are Devin Achan and uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Kansas City, 27th in DVOA in rush defense. So I did this with Schrager. I listed all the teams that ran for like 100 plus on them the last 10 weeks. And yes. It was like 8 to 10, including right. Vegas twice. Including Vegas. And that's the other thing. The mystique of Arrowhead, the Chiefs are just 4-4 four and four at home this season. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a down year for, for the Chiefs. Uh, so I love all those stats. I just couldn't get past to uh, in freezing cold Fair weather enough. with a shaky offensive line that has not traveled that well. And then Fair a enough. defense that's not the same. The other th- aspect to this, HN didn't play in the game in Germany. Uh, and that was a defensive battle. That was so, a ground game. So your game. scenario here is if you like the Dolphins, you like HN to yes. rush for like 140 yards. Right. Like a little well, thing, no, I mean, you 100 know. yards. Right. And and for him and, and Mostert to together get 35 carries between so 35 and 40 carries. We're watching a lot of these games together this weekend. The first time Tua has a Tua freezing cold weather play, I just can't wait. I might turn the camera on and videotape you. The interesting thing to me is for, there's it is uh, indisputable that Miami has more capacity for explosive plays. Yeah. How will Mike McDaniel get Tyreek the ball? So that it doesn't require Tua throwing it 25 yards down the field, right? Or how about the part where Tua throws the ball and he just gets annihilated? We're not, which seems to happen like four times a game. We're not doing that this Tua, game. Tua, can you not get Tyreek annihilated That's, every quarter? It's exactly the reason why Chase Claypool was the guy running the route on the pass that, that right. Tua threw and got intercepted because Tyreek had to come out of the game. So Miami's really your favorite. Miami four and a half is your favorite bet. Uh, my my favorite, you know, non non kind of oh, chalk. Zach, bet. Your favorite Zach. Yes, yes. Cause I like Green Bay getting the seven and a half. Yeah. I like the Rams on the money line. I absolutely love the Steelers. It's too it's too many points. Um, if right. this weather's gonna be bad and the total's low. But all those are pretty conventional picks, I think. A lot of smart folks are saying those picks. Yeah. Well, I'm about to say a lot of them in million dollar picks in one second. Before we go. Who do you want for Washington to take over the team? And are you part of the 10-person committee that's looking for a new coach? They didn't ask me. Why didn't they ask you? Well, I I, I think in the first place, they probably... I was going to make a joke about my picks this year, except for you know, on ESPN, I finished inside the the top like 800 of hundreds of thousands poll, of people. In yes. our picks poll, you were like 50 games over 500 yes. or something. Yes, so I'm not going to make fun. Impressive. Oh, yeah, thank you. I went fourteen and four on on double downs. Why this didn't year. the committee know this? They should have added you. Well, Wait, I, you, you would have been better than Bob Myers. He's a fucking basketball guy. Why Bob Myers on a on a hilarious. coach committee for the NFL? The whole, well, I mean, if Magic and Josh Harris, you know, those are NBA guys. Yeah, you already so. have an NBA guy in Magic. You, you need Bob NBA Myers. Uh, Adam Peters and Mike Vrabel would be unbelievable. Oh, that's what I God, want for that the would Pats. be good. That would make me. We Jesus. have more. We have more money. I think. I How think about Josh the fact Harris. that your team's drafting right in front of me, and we're fighting for the same coach and GM? This is the first time we've ever battled trade. in football since I've known you. I want to trade the draft pick. I don't when we were in college, the Redskins were great, and my team is dog shit. 
And then somehow we reversed roles when we hit the 21st century. Yeah. 25 years, my team is bad. Yeah. Now, the legacy, the best 21st century Washington thing is the 2013 coaching staff with all the coaches on it. That's like they've been the only good thing that's happened with why They just show that photo. It's like, oh, look at Sean McVay. They go all the way to Kyle Shannon. We had RG3 for rookie of the year. You loved RG3. RG3 beat Andrew Luck. RG3 was an unbelievable talent. Let there be no, he was absolutely, he just couldn't, you know, sustain the Would you put him in the top four most disappointing the way it turned out compared to what the promise was list? Wow. I mean, C-Web's one. Well, C-Web, I barely had any any experience with, right? He wasn't a native Washington. He wasn't like a real, we didn't draft him. You traded everything for him and you were excited. I knew you then. I was excited. We were very close. We, we, were, we, we you had two C-Web. of the Fab Five. Are you kidding me? You were super Beside excited myself. about myself. Yes. Even just bought a Googly Atta jersey and you didn't care. I didn't care. I was thrilled to have, you know, Jalen, uh, I mean, uh, Juwan and, and Chris. Are you kidding? It's unbelievable how many bad sports experiences you've had in the basketball football front since college. <laughs> I don't have any it's answer like to that. It's like three decades of just kicks to the nuts. Yes. A lot of bad, a lot of mediocrity. I mean, the Bullets have never been really that good since I've known you. 78. Other than the John Wall Beal team. Yeah. 2017, Kelly Olenek, Game 7. Father Kelly. He did it. And then uh, Washington. So maybe new owner. You got rid of Snyder. Congrats. Thank you. Hope Springs Eternal. It's a great moment. What quarterback do you want? I don't want a quarterback. I want to trade out of the pick. Come on. I don't want a quarterback. Why wouldn't you want a quarterback? I don't understand. They have other areas of need. I I I'd lo- I'd much rather build the team up and then see see what you know you you can do. I don't want to take. You tell a, the committee this. I don't want to take one of these young one of these kids and have them go get killed. We just watched it with Bryce Young. What's the point of that? And you your guy him, Frank Reich. <laughs> you said he was the best best coach in the NFC South that. in August. You did. That. You said it. I did not say that. You said that. Um, I want. I have honed in on Jaden Daniels. Oh. My scouts are at all of his practices. We're thinking about him, getting excited about him. Is he big enough? That's I'll my take only, any of these guys. My but concern yeah. with him is, the, is he big enough? There's some wow factor stuff. Everyone I talk to is like, oh my God, when Jaden Daniels is in the combine, people are going to lose their fucking minds. Okay. He's going to run like a 4-3 and you know, jump like a three-story building and do all this crazy shit. I can't wait. All right. All right, House. Good luck to both of us. So House, we're watching football. You got Ringer Wise guys on Saturday, Saturday and, and Sunday. Sunday. You get to meet Raheem in person. I can't wait. Me and Dream. Raheem, JJ, Sal, you all together. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. JJ, I'm bringing my sticks, bro. I'm going to bring my sticks and we're going to play some golf, bro. I don't think we're playing Not with golf. us. You and I are going to be hanging out with Jacko. Can't wait. Uh, House, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. All right, it's time. Million Dollar Picks, round one, NFL Playhouse. We are up $2.132 million for the season. We won $207,000 last week and things are going well. Not well enough for me to think I can go 13-0 in the playoffs, which has always been a dream of mine to go undefeated against the spread in the NFL playoffs. Now that they added the two extra games, not possible. But I would love to go 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two on the big bets in round one, all of which we covered for the most part with Peter Schrager and Michael Lombardi in part one of the BS podcast. So I'm not going to regurgitate everything we said. You can probably guess what these picks are, but here we go. 350K on the following games. Browns minus two in Houston. 
I think that line should be three. I think the Browns are going to beat Houston. I think Houston's lucky to be there after Indianapolis should have put them away and didn't last week. Browns minus two. Rams plus three in Detroit. I think the Rams can win this game outright. I am happy to take the plus three. Hopefully their special teams won't screw it up. I think they're going to move the ball all game on Detroit. Steelers plus 10 in Buffalo. I'm breaking a playoff manifesto rule taking Mason Rudolph, but in horrendous weather with awful wind, I'm not sure the quarterback's going to be chucking it that much. Just keep handing it off, Mason Rudolph. Steelers plus 10. I think that line is three points too high, and I'm not a buyer of the Bills being back. I don't think they're back. Uh, they should have lost to Miami last week. They could have lost to the Pats two weeks earlier. I, the signs of them being quote-unquote back, I wish they were stronger signs. So Steelers plus 10. We're going to take Chiefs money line parlayed with the adjusted under 51 and a half in that crazy Dolphins game that's going to be freezing cold. I, you know, Chiefs are favored minus four and a half. I don't, uh, I don't love the backdoor potential. Um, so we're just going to say the Chiefs to win a nice, ugly, slow, methodical. Each team has long drives, tries to run the ball a lot under 51 and a half. Sounds great. Minus 107 for that parlay. Packers plus seven and a half is the next one. Taking that in Dallas. I just think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think they have a chance to win the game. At gunpoint, I would pick Dallas to win the money line, but be scared of all the people who are going to tease Dallas in this game. Never a good sign. Packers have some nobody believes in us. Packers have been playing really well the last seven, eight weeks. And I like getting the hook. Packers plus seven half. Last but not least, the Bucks at home. Getting a little home dog here against a just disheveled Eagles team where Jalen Hurts is hurt, but he's going to play. We think he's got a effed up finger. A.J. Brown is hurt, might not be playing. Their defense is might be dead, unclear. They're in a coma at least. And I think if Mayfield is remotely healthy, he can move the ball on them. Watch out for a big Mike Evans game, which um, we're going to cover in a second. Bucks plus three is the last one. So to recap, 350000 on Browns minus two, Rams plus three, Steelers plus 10, Packers plus seven and a half, Bucks plus three, and then a Chiefs money slash under 51 and a half adjusted uh, parlay. Those are the big ones. And then we're going to put 25K on four semi-long shot parlays. So Najoku, 50 plus yards, Flacco, two plus TDs and 200 plus yards passing, and the Browns to win the first half and the game. That's plus 477, jumping on that. We're going to do, in the Tampa game, Evans to score a TD, Evans to have 80 yards or more receiving, Baker one pass TD, and the Bucks to win outright. That's plus 482. And then we're going to put uh, 25K, 10 to 1 odds, Stafford, 275 passing yards at least, Cup and Nakua both getting 60 plus pa uh, receiving yards, and then the Rams to win the first half and the game. That's 10 to 1. And then last but not least, 10 to 1 on the Steelers adjusted to plus four and a half. Harris, 50 plus rushing yards. Warren, 40 plus rushing yards. Warren, over 18.5 receiving yards. That is 10 to 1. Those are our four little semi-long shot parlays. And then in two of those cases, long. And those are the million dollar picks for round one. Safe gambling out there. Let's take one more break and talk about Bill Belichick one last time. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, 
there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home could be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, I wanted to read you something I wrote about Bill Belichick in 2015. Going backwards though, they hire him in 2000. I am living in Charlestown. I'm on my own writing for the Boston Sports Guy site that I had created. And I'm writing columns. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. Belichick comes in. They go five and 11 the first year and everybody's giving him shit. They don't like his hair. They don't like how he dresses. They don't like him in the press conferences. He looks disheveled. And the Boston sports scene was so poisonous back then that the WEI, the, the local radio station, they called Boston Loserville and the Fellowship of the Miserable. And just like they, we had him in good since the 80s. Everybody was not only miserable with the teams, but just assuming the worst at all times, right? So going to 2001, they give Bledsoe a $100 million contract. They draft Richard Seymour. Expectations still could not have been lower. The Brady Bledsoe thing happens. Bledsoe gets hurt. At that point, I am writing for ESPN.com. They had hired me that summer and I had spent five weeks before my column actually started trying to figure out what that column was going to be. How am I going to be a national sports columnist? Because at the time, there was no blueprint for it. Everything was local. Everything was local newspapers. How do I do it? How do I get an audience that's not just in New England? And I figured I'd write pop culture. I'd write about sports movies. I'd go heavy on NFL. I'd have a gambling column. I'd go heavy on NBA. And the last piece was, I'm going to write about fandom. I'm going to write about being a Boston sports fan because I feel like no matter what city you live in, you might identify with some of the 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 ups and downs of just rooting for the teams that you love. And that's what I decided to do. And somehow that first year, the Patriots happen and Brady happens and Belichick happens and we rip through all the way. All of a sudden they win the division title. They win the snow game against the Raiders. They beat Pittsburgh as huge underdogs. And then I am in New Orleans covering my first Super Bowl ever, the first one I ever went to. I'm sitting in the end zone and Vinatieri kicks the ball right to me for the game-winning field goal, the Patriots, the black sheep team that I rooted for my whole life that I never, ever thought anything really good would ever happen with them. Even when they made the Super Bowl in 96, as moment Desmond Howard returned the touchdown, it was like, we're going to lose. That, you just always assume the worst with the Pats. That's what I grew up with. Somehow it flips in New Orleans. We win the Super Bowl. I go back to my hotel room. I write half of a column. 
I go out with my friends. I go to Pat O'Brien's. I might have had like four hurricanes celebrating. Go back. I'm not drunk, but I'm not sober. It's the only time in my career I ever did this. I finished my column. I mailed it in and I went to bed. And then I woke up like four hours later and I emailed my editor, Kevin Jackson. And I'm like, I'm like, I, can I read that column before it goes up? And he, and he goes, it's up. We put it up. People love it. It's great. Was it great? I don't know. I tried to capture what, what, uh, what happened that day. It was probably too long. It was probably scattered. But in, in a way, I love that it exists because that, those were all my thoughts right after the impossible happened. And then the impossible kept happening. They went back to back in 03 and 04. They became America's villains in 07. My column's getting bigger as this happens. And now it's, I'm in this weird zone where it's like I'm writing from the fan's perspective, but not every fan has the perspective of your team keeps winning and winning and winning and they're turning into Duke or the Yankees. Now I got to deal with that. Now I'm writing about that. And then in 07, Spygate happens. I have my podcast at that point. That was the first year. Sal and I are doing Guess the Lines. I'm pissed about the Patriots, trying to figure out how to be objective and I can't. And it all leads to uh, the Giants Super Bowl when... Uh, Two minutes left. I'm there with my dad. It's his 60th birthday. We think the Pats are about to go 19 and 0, the greatest FU season anyone's had. And you know what happens next? Eli Manning, Tyree. I have to go back to my hotel room. It took forever to get out of there. I have to write about this game. I just one of the worst sports losses of my life. I have to summon some sort of words about it. I think I did an okay job. And then it just that's the way it went. Um, talking about the Pats, writing about the Pats, watching Belichick ascend into the greatest football coach of all time, or at least in the running, by the time I'm going to read what I wrote in 2015, Brady is in the mix for one of the best quarterbacks ever. And yet they can't get that fourth Super Bowl. And now it's been like almost 10 years and starting to wonder like, all right, this isn't really a dynasty if you win three and four years and then you can't win again. And then also like, maybe we used up all the luck we had in those three years. Is this going to happen again? These guys need this. And then deflate gate happens. Now it's us against them. This is perfect. This is like exactly what everyone in Massachusetts always thrives on. It's us and it's them. Uh, everyone who loves the Pats just moved into us against them mode. And it was really fun and ends up with the Seahawks game, which at that time I am writing for Grantland, which I had created in 2011. It's year four. And I have about three months left at ESPN and I don't know that yet because I had been suspended in September. I'm still writing, I'm still doing my job. Um, and for this game, I went to a party, I watched it at, uh, at the party, did not know I was gonna write about it, went home, did a podcast with Sal at some point, either that night or Monday, and didn't think I was gonna write about it, but it was such an incredible game and such an incredible statement of the Belichick era that I was like, I gotta, I gotta write something. So I did a retro diary of the game. I'm gonna read you two sections from the retro diary that I wrote after the Patriots beat Seattle Super Bowl 49. So here we go. I'm gonna pick up um, halfway through right after the Javon Curse catch. If you remember, the Pats are up, they're up four, and the Seahawks are coming down and they're in Pats territory in the 38, and they chuck it downfield and somehow Curse makes the craziest catch ever. This is what I wrote. Everything went numb for like three minutes. Couldn't react, couldn't feel anything. People were yelling in disbelief all around me. I couldn't move. They showed the replay. The football bounced off Curse's hands, Ryan's hands back up into the air. 
As Curse fell on his back and tried to find the ball, safety Deron Harmon jumped over his head. Naturally, the football plopped back down off Curse's left leg and then his right leg, buying him time to tip it with his right hand. Then it fell into his hands as he remained on his back. Also, he gave birth to a nine-pound baby just because everything else wasn't unbelievable enough. It's like God decided what could be worse than the helmet catch. What if I created a catch under the exact same circumstances with the exact same stakes in the exact same building with the exact same defense out there, only this time the football hit seven body parts before it's caught? Would that clinch Tyree 2.0 status? Should I throw in a couple more body parts or are we good with seven? And if that weren't enough, after two gut-wrenching replays sandwiched the deja vu shot of a stunned Brady looking on in disbelief, Michael smartly remembered this was where Tyree had the helmet catch. This is the scene of the crime, end quote, as NBC rolled off the helmet catch replay. I mean, what are the odds? Seriously, would you believe a Gone Girl sequel in which Ben Affleck's character gets framed for the murder of his second wife, Amazing Emily, who turns out to be just as crazy in all the same ways as Amazing Amy? You'd never buy this in a million years, right? Well, the lap dance catch happened. The lap dance catch somehow trumped the helmet catch. It was even more ridiculous. My God, why do we follow sports? Why do we do this to ourselves? And no, I don't know what would have happened to me if I had gone to the game. I can't even imagine. Thank God I didn't go to the game. Or so I thought at the time. And as I was thinking all these things, I didn't even realize that Seattle had blown its second time out or that Belichick was standing there for three idle minutes playing out all the possible scenarios in his head. Now there's 106 left. First to goal, New England three. Beast mode, rambles left. He heads for the end zone. I'll admit it, I want him to score. Before Patrick Chung, shoestring grabbed to slow him down, and Dante Hightower got there just in time. They bring him down at the one. Timeout, Patriots. And I'm still dead inside. This is what Hannibal Lecter felt like after murder victim number 12 when he was running out of ways to stay interested. He started telling himself things like, maybe I could eat the victims. I am dead inside. I can't feel anything. 058, second goal, New England one. Wait, they're not calling timeout. 056, call timeout. 050, call timeout. 048, I'm no longer dead inside. 045, what is happening? All right, let's go to 032. Let's shift into present day mode. We know what happened now, but it made no sense at the time and took me nearly 24 hours to understand. This Washington Post piece helped. A long, fascinating email from a poker player helped. Talking to two of my Patriot sources helped. Watching the game tape over and over again definitely helped. Here's what we know. Seattle had already wasted two timeouts, so it had to pass on second or third down. If it ran Lynch on second down and didn't score, it would have had to burn the third time out and pass on third down too. But, but the Seahawks were expecting Belichick to call timeout. Only he didn't. Remember that seemingly unimportant timeout that Brady wasted that made it impossible for New England to stop the clock three times in a row? This was now a poker game. What do you do when you know you have the lousier hand? You bluff. I believe he hatched this plan during Seattle's second timeout. If Lynch doesn't score on first down, here's what I'm doing next. He liked having those 50-50 pass odds on second down. He wanted the game to speed up. He wanted confusion and chaos. He wanted that in-game pressure to tilt Seattle's way. And if you've ever been at the Super Bowl for a big win or go-home drive inside the 10, it's more chaotic than you'd ever imagine. I remember being there when the 2012 Niners drove for a first and goal against the Ravens in New Orleans. Seemed like they were scoring. They failed on first down. 
And then suddenly the energy in the building changed. Everything got tense. You could feel it. Like being on a speedboat that's going a little too fast. So Belichick made an emergency plan, felt that in-state of energy shifting after Lynch's first down run. And then he thought to himself, one time out, one yard to go. They're passing, either a quick slant or Wilson rolling out. We spent the whole week practicing how to defend both plays. We can absolutely stop this. Remember, Malcolm Butler told reporters afterward that they'd specifically practice to defend this pass play. And remember, door A, goal line stand, Pats win or lose. Door B, timeout New England. Seahawks get to regroup, talk it over, think of their perfect play. They score on second down. Brady has to dink and dunk for 55 yards in less than 50 seconds against the league's best secondary. One timeout, no deep threats. If they don't score, Belichick uses his last timeout. They score on third down. Now, Brady's probably doomed. He's dinking and dunking. It's happened in less than 45 seconds with no timeouts. And Goskowski has to nail the field goal. And overtime has to go the right way. Don't forget, Belichick created the defensive plan that stymied the 1990 Bills. He helped Bill Parcells drag Vinny Testaverde to a freaking AFC championship game. He went 5-11 and in his first Pat season from that point on. 170-54 and in the regular season. 21-8 in the playoffs, including Sunday. is the most playoff wins ever. One of two head coaches to win four Super Bowls. He's coached a record six Super Bowl teams. He has won 11 of the last 12 AFC East titles. Only coach to ever finish 16-0 in a regular season. Only active member of the 200-win club. Only seven people in the club, by the way. The only active coach with more than 170 wins. And one of four coaches who won 100 more games than they lost. The last time Belichick finished below 500, Bill Clinton was president. Part of my French but I'm going out on a limb and saying it wasn't a fucking accident that Belichick never called Tim out. He said to himself, we have a better chance of stoning them than we do of getting that field goal. He redirected the pressure to Seattle's side. He hoped they'd implode. Well, let's go to 0-30 in the game. There's still confusion on Seattle's side. Lynch is on the right. Wilson tells him to shit to the left, so he does. Seattle's about to run a slant pass out of a three-receiver set against an eight-man front and three cornerbacks. In other words, it's the right defense for this specific situation, and Belichick knows it. Pete Carroll doesn't realize it. All right, so Butler picks that. I'm, I'm coming back in as me. Butler picks the playoff. I wrote about Butler, you know, that versus the Roberts, though. I wrote a bunch of stuff and did some emails. And then at the end, I came back to Belichick. And so an undrafted rookie made the biggest defensive play in Super Bowl history. But how much credit does Belichick get? People bring up his savvy game plans against the 1990 Bills and 2001 Rams, or the ballsy Brady over Bledsoe decision, or 11 wins without Brady in 2008, or a Super Bowl win with Troy Brown playing Nickelback, or even the controversial fourth down call against India that didn't work and became the call that built the Sloan Conference. They bring up Spygate, They bring up his disheveled outfits, his salty press conferences, even his bad cop, good cop relationship with the crafts. They bring up how he mastered the art of trading down in drafts and coldly dumping key players one year too soon instead of one year too late. They bring up his Rain Man-like ability to relentlessly look forward without ever dwelling on the past. On to Baltimore, on to Indianapolis, on to Seattle. He's a coaching machine. There's a human being lurking under there, someone whom his friends swear by, but Belichick never allows the public to see it. He uses Patriots fans the same way we use him and the crafts use him. We just want to win. We don't care that America doesn't like him. We stay out of his way. Just don't quit on us. Don't retire. Don't announce out of the blue, I'm good. I'm done. See you later. 
You can't even compare him to other football coaches. Who was Belichick's competition these last 15 years? Andy Reid, Tony Dungy, Bill Cowher, Tom Coughlin, please. And yet Belichick never had that one signature moment. We never caught it when it happened in the Seahawks game. That's how good this one was. We thought he fell asleep. We thought he froze. Repeat, we thought Bill Belichick froze. You know what really happened? Belichick trusted seven months of practice and two weeks of scouting. And he trusted the fact that he'd already prepared a 24-year-old undrafted rookie to react perfectly, historically, remarkably, if that slant was coming. He'll never get credit because the whole thing seemed too improbable. After all, how could a coach behave that differently from every other coach in that exact same spot? The answer is not like any other coach. Of anyone, seriously, of anyone, he's the one guy who would stand there and say, you know what? I think Pete Carroll might screw this up. I'm not doing anything, even if I don't have the best hand. I'm going to let him raise the pot. Check. The rest was history. Whenever you're arguing about the greatest NFL coaches of all time, just remember the final minute of Super Bowl 49. The man finally gave us his version of Jordan's game winner in the 1998 finals. And like everything else that happened with the great Bill Belichick over the years, nobody totally believed him. And that's that. That was the greatest moment of Belichick's career. He went on to win two more Super Bowls. I did not realize that was going to happen. Could have won another one against the Eagles. Still can't figure out how they dropped that one. Then Brady leaves for Tampa Bay and Belichick four more years and did not go as well as the first 20. But you know what? It was, it was all house money at that point. He was an unbelievable guy to root for, to have in your life. I've never seen anything like it. When he joined the team, I think I was 29 years old. 28 years old. Now I'm in my early mid fifties. Um, never thought I'd see the Patriots win one Super Bowl. They won six and could not be more grateful to the guy. So I will root for him wherever he goes. I hope he gets the seventh Super Bowl somewhere else as long as it's not at the Pat's expense. And I hope he breaks the record. And um, he was a huge part of my life, even though he never knew it. So good luck to you, Bill Belichick. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti. Thanks to Joe House. Thanks again to Lombardi and Schrager for joining me on part one. Don't forget about Ringer Wise Guys on FanDuel TV Saturday and Sunday mornings, breaking down all the uh, playoff games, last minute bets, injury stuff, uh, crazy parlays, you name it. We're all going to have it and you can watch it on all the Ringer platforms as well. And we'll be cutting out social clips from that. And speaking of social, go check out youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. I've been putting up some walk and talk shorts up there and having a good time with those. So if you like that stuff, you can check that out. And I will see you on Sunday night with Cousin Sal. Can't wait. Must be 21 plus and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 188 188- 789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 
1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.